Welcome to Community Pulse, your locally produced program on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. As a reminder of our production schedule, you can catch Community Pulse live Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. The program is then immediately archived to our website. You can also find it on our Facebook feed later in the day, along with germane links to the day's discussion. And the entire catalog, since we've been doing this, it's been a little over a year now, is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So, a happy Monday to everyone, and a warm welcome to local family physician and host of Your Health Matters, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman. It's always such a pleasure to speak with you. Dr. Alleman, how are you this morning? I am well this morning. Thank you for asking. Um, I think, like all of us, I'm tired of uh, worrying about this pandemic and uh, feeling the conflict between knowing that we may be in the home stretch, but the home stretch is not the finish line. And that spring is here, vaccines are coming out. There's so much hopefulness that continuing to stay cautious and careful um, can feel like a, I don't know, like a, a, a difficult uh, duality to hold in our minds. So, um, yeah, so there's some things I want to let people know from the beginning, and I'm going to repeat this. Testing in mid-Missouri has become challenging. So all of the drive-through sites have been closed as of last end of last week uh, in Columbia and um, in Jefferson City, and uh, primarily the reasons stated are uh, declining numbers of uh, tests being done, uh, and uh, people are being directed to urgent care centers. It's my understanding that if you go to an urgent care center to get tested, they will um, charge you money for the assessment that would lead to the test, even if you have gotten a test order from somewhere else. Um, it's my understanding that Hy-Vee and Walgreens are still doing testing, and I don't think either one of those require a, an order or a referral. Um, but we are, just know that we're working on it. It seems to be something that is in flux, and we're trying to figure that out. Apparently, MU Health says that um, people can go to all of their, any of their lab, like blood drawing sites to get swabbed. But the challenge is that, some, you know, what are we, what is the smartest, wisest, most cautious thing, most appropriate thing to do for people who are exposed and symptomatic? Because we still do have cases in Missouri um, and people are still getting exposed, getting infected, getting symptomatic. And we would like to test those people, but we would like for them to not sit in waiting rooms next to people who were hoping to not get COVID. Because even though masks and social distancing are effective, they are not 100% effective. So just let people know that that's being worked out. If you still need a test, they'll call whoever you would call. People can contact my office through, through my website. Um, and uh, we're trying to figure it out. So I hope that this is, does not become a barrier or discourage anybody. But um, testing is going to take more time, a little bit more time and effort, and there may be a little bit more um, hitch and to get along as we get that taken care of. Uh, Dr. Alleman, are so, the, uh, may I ask a question? Uh, the, yeah, uh, please do. The uh, drive-through testing sites, are they closed permanently or is this uh, a, a temporary measure, do you believe? Well, you know, um, predicting what's going to happen in the future is always a challenge and predicting what's going to happen in the future with this particular pandemic is particularly so. Um, but I think that people are hoping that this is a permanent thing, that, that we're sort of past the time when we need um, lines of people in cars 
going through drive-through centers. I personally um, believe and professionally believe that Columbia, that every city needs a a place where these specimens can get collected in an outdoor setting. But I understand that it doesn't probably doesn't make sense to have many healthcare professionals dedicated to that particular setting um, six days a week from early in the morning till the end of the day. But I think that we do need a place where people can get tested without having to go inside a building. I see. Thank you. I mean, we also need ways for people to get tested in their own homes, to get vaccinated in their own homes. There are Many of the limitations of our medical system are being revealed, and uh, right now uh, trying to figure out how to get everybody on board so that it happens seamlessly in a hurry is one of those things, and we're working on that. Um, yeah, so, and this is in the, in, in the face of increasing numbers in Boone County. We have had an upswing over the last 10 days or so, uh, which when we talked last week, I hadn't quite noticed, so I apologize for that. Um, and we are also the Missouri Sewer Shed Surveillance Project is showing um, uh, places in Missouri where we where numbers are still fairly low compared to where they were in the December and January, but um, are starting to show an uptick as well. Um, their last data points are from um, a week ago, so we don't you know there's a little bit of delay in getting those results. Um, and uh, we're seeing statewide that there is an increase in numbers, and that is all confused by the fact that, I'm trying to remember, a week or two ago, Missouri um, uh, finally uh, decided to count all of the tests, the positive cases that were the result of an antigen test. These rapid, you know, you can get a test in an hour, result in an hour. Those are all called antigen tests. They have a higher false negative rate. So getting a negative result from those is less reassuring than getting a negative swab that takes a couple hours to get back um, the PCR test. Um, and for some reason, the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services was not counting those as cases and then did count them all. So there was a big, um, it, you know, there was a sudden reporting of a lot of uh, uh past cases that was significant enough that the New York Times notes it on their, um, their data because you see this big blip in um, the number of cases nationwide, and it says Missouri uh, added antigen tests. So um, that makes trying to interpret what's going on in Missouri um, a little difficult because seven-day averages are way out of whack. But it appears Matthew Holloway reported over 1,000 cases from new cases from health departments and other jurisdictions over um, on Friday. So um, it's people can speculate about why the heck this is. Um, uh, apparently, airline travel is up uh, since uh, higher than it has been in a long time. Um, that people who are vaccinated, many people were motivated to get vaccinated so that they could travel. Many of them want to see elder family members for understandable reasons. Um, there is some disagreement about the safety of, of uh, airline travel and uh, long-term travel. We also, it's going to be interesting. I'm sort of bracing myself for what will happen um, over, it's now spring break for most of the country. So that means um, some really uh, close contact congregate behavior uh, in typically in Florida and Texas. 
both states which are experiencing higher case numbers. Um, and then those people tend to travel back to wherever they live uh, across the country. So um, I am, I, I'm, I'm watching. Um, and, you know, we still have vaccines going into arms. We had like over 4 million vaccines uh, given on uh, Saturday in the United States, which is an exciting number. But we're still at less than 20% of the population has been vaccinated. So, you know, between 10 and 16 or 17 percent, depending on which um, state you live in. And, you know, vaccine efficacy takes a couple of weeks to take effect. So um, we have lots of dynamics going on. It's still a moving yeah. situation. And an important part about that number, too, if I understand it correctly, if I'm interpreting it correctly, we're talking about oh, 18, 19 percent of the population that has gotten at least one shot. Uh, that doesn't necessarily right. reflect uh, the 20 percent of the population or nearly 20 percent of the population has gotten both shots. So that's an important right. distinction, I think, that the people uh, that I, I found very important to know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Pfizer vaccine, it's four weeks between the two vaccines, and then uh, the Moderna, it's three weeks. The Johnson & Johnson is a single dose. Um, so, uh, and we believe that uh, full uh, protection, the you know, the, the total protection you're going to get from the vaccine probably exists about two weeks after whatever your last shot is. So the, the single dose for the Johnson & Johnson or the second dose for the Moderna and the Pfizer, although some protection seems to begin to appear about two weeks after your first dose. And this is one of those things like, I want people to be fully informed, and then people can misinterpret that data and say, woo, two weeks after my first vaccine, I'm going to hug all the people. Um, so we're, we're in this place where I think we're all ready to be done. We all have a little bit of justification in our minds about why we should be able to do all the things we've been avoiding. Um, and uh, we're now seeing a little bit of increase in cases. I, I am still mystified about why we, saw, why we have seen such a rapid uh, decline in cases since about the 5th of January. Like it was still cold. People were still doing things. I'm not sure people's behavior changed a lot. And um, I have seen some thoughtful people write about what I've been wondering if that was happening is that we actually got some immunity from the widespread uh, infections that we had in the United States. Um, it would have been my preference for us to have not had such widespread infection and to have gotten to had to wait a little bit longer to get protection from vaccination, <clears throat> but that's not the way we did it. And uh, so somewhere between uh, 20 and 50% of the population has uh, been protected by it uh, has an immunity from being infected, um, and then you know another ten to fifteen percent of people are being protected from vaccination. Some of those are overlapping. People who have been infected are still recommended to get the vaccine. Um, and if I were queen of the world, we would have um, we would have not prioritized it. We would have prioritized people who had not been vaccinated, had not been infected. Uh, but that would have sounded like punishing people who got sick, and I don't like to do that. So, um, yeah, so we've got vaccines coming along, um, and uh, I think that people, um, that many of us as, as a group, I don't want to blame anybody, as a group, I think we're jumping the gun a little bit. We'll, so we'll just see how it, how it plays out. Um, but these increase in cases are, 
you know, I had plans to finally go get my teeth cleaned and get my um, eyes examined and get new glasses. I think I might wait a little bit. Um, and then I'm trying to look at what, what else, when I sent you the email, who, what else do we want to talk about? Oh, so, um, oh, we want to go through, first of all, vaccination. So Tier 3 opens today. Um, and Tier 3 is a lot of people in Missouri for um, vaccination. So officially now, teachers can get vaccinated everywhere. So if you are a teacher and you've been trying to get vaccinated through the federal system, so just to remind people, there are two systems going on. They're probably way more complicated than that, but my brain knows that there's two systems. One is vaccine. all vaccines are coming through the federal government. Some of them are going directly to large chain, national chain Pharmacies like Walmart, Sam's Club, Hy-Vee, probably others too. Um, and those then follow federal guidelines. So when the president announced uh, two weeks ago that teachers should be prioritized, teachers could get vaccinated through national programs at uh, national chain pharmacies. The state of Missouri, each the federal government also sends vaccines to the state, and the state of Missouri has its own prioritization. And um, when they, they, they did not add teachers. They did add clergy, but they did not add teachers to their vaccine uh, prioritization. However, we are now in phase 1B, tier 3. And that includes, let's see if I can find it. It includes lots of other people. So it includes teachers. So teachers can get vaccinated everywhere. It includes member, it includes uh, elected officials. It includes uh, people in food and agriculture. It includes people in the financial institute, financial system. It includes information technology. It includes dams, uh, nuclear facilities, I think energy sector. I'm trying to look it up really quickly here. Um, anyway, so... Well, we, um, we will post the link, uh, but it is yeah. um, <clears throat> the... The web oh, waste, water and wastewater is the other one. I think that I've forgotten. Right. Um, and energy sector. Oh, child care. How did I forget that one? Child care <laughs> counts. So, and communication. So that means I think it's all paid and unpaid people. So okay, I think that that means volunteers at KOPN could now use their connection to the communication system to get vaccinated. Um, it, it does not seem... Unless food and agriculture includes them, and I wish I knew, it does not seem to include um, restaurant and grocery store workers. It does not um, include people who, like, repair things at your house, like plumbers and electricians and HVAC people. Um, yeah, so right now, it's, and we're still, anybody who's at high risk for um, uh, complications are still included and, of course, all um, healthcare workers and uh, public uh, law enforcement, fire services, corrections, uh, emergency management, public works, emergency services, those have always been on the list, and they are still on the list. If you um, need a vaccine and you're overwhelmed by the system, first of all, if you signed up and you're waiting to be invited, um, that is not a strategy that's going to work for you. We, we, apparently, that system has been abandoned. So it's now a, you know, uh, it's not a waiting. You, we need to be active. Um, so there is a, um, a navigator uh, in Missouri. So you go onto the website. You tell them your information. 
and they give you a, a registration number, and then you can use that to schedule appointments in various places. If this is really confusing to you, which it is to me, and I have not quite figured out how to navigate it, um, then there is a, a Facebook group, uh, uh, Mid-Missouri, Central Missouri COVID-19 Vaccine Information, um, and we will list that uh, on the website, um, on the KOPN website, and uh, Jenny Chadwick is helping people get vaccinated. So if you needed to get in touch with uh, Jenny, you could contact the station and uh, uh, her contact information would be available. Um, so she's one of this group of people. So they, these people are like working through the night because many new appointments happen at midnight to help people get on the system. So this, things are going to be a little bit more challenging for the next week or so because um, a lot of people have just add, been added to the tier. So in the past, there was so in the past week or so, two weeks, there has been an abundance of vaccines and an abundance of vaccine administrators and vaccinators and vaccine advance in comparison to the number of people who qualified for the vaccine and could get to them. So there was um, a reality that many people were finding that if they showed up at some uh, events, that there was an eagerness to vaccinate people and people would be given vaccines even if they didn't completely 100% qualify. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that because we were, we were talking a little bit before the program. Obviously, uh, for many, many weeks now, we've been talking about the need to be proactive about getting right. these vaccines. And we've, you know, listed a lot of specific avenues, which, in, you know, which one, <clears throat> through which one uh, can be proactive uh, and get the vaccine. And so many of us uh, at this particular point in time are operating on a lot of anecdotal uh, evidence. You know, we everyone knows a person who knows a person who went to nowhere, Missouri, and showed up and, and got a vaccine. Um, <laughs> is this something that uh, that you recommend? Because you were saying before the program, the amount of extra vaccines maybe not necessarily as high as the, uh, the anecdotes that we're all hearing about. Uh, I uh, think that... We'll have to see, Peter. I think that things are changing because we've now opened up a very large tier. So now several hundred thousand more Missourians are eligible for vaccination. And so that may make it um, like there's going to be more people wanting vaccinated than there are appointments to be given, whereas two weeks ago um, there it was the other way around. It's possible at the end of this tier rollout before we uh, uh, go into um, phase two that we may um, that we that we may return to a state like that. Um, the other thing is that the Johnson and Johnson vaccine is available to be is you can store it at refrigerator temperature, so we don't have the <clears throat> the challenge that we've had with these a little bit more delicate vaccines, the Pfizer and the Moderna, that they have to be um, uh, given within a matter of hours after they're reconstituted. So there are fewer of these sort of extra doses that need to be given or they would be wasted now that we have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It doesn't mean that that won't ever happen. It's just that it's going to be, um, you're gonna ha there's going to be 
fewer people who can um, sort of vaccinate standby. Um, and, and it's not just anecdotal. I, my husband went out to Fayette and got a vaccine um, because they were very eager to vaccine, vaccinate people. Um, Jenny describes taking people out to the Boonville um, event and uh, people were very eager to vaccinate. Uh, like she said, there were many people were disappointed they couldn't vaccinate her because she'd already been vaccinated. So um, I think that we're just shifting because we now have a new tier open. And I, I don't know, but I think that we're going to have uh, longer lines and more. Um, we're going to shift the what, what's abundant. I think we're going to have an abundance of people who qualify for the vaccine with a relative shortage of vaccines well, the, and vaccinators. The, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is especially relevant in that case. I mean, people are eager to right. vaccinate when they can't store uh, some of the more delicate vaccines as you describe them. It's going to be a little right. bit different once the Johnson & Johnson one becomes predominant. I mean, I bring it up because it's, after all, people's time is very valuable. And, uh, you know, if, if this is something, if you can travel and go to an event and there's a good likelihood that you can get a vaccine, that would be something that you recommend. I mean, otherwise, uh, we're probably looking on a nationwide level at a, at a target of what is it, May 1st, that there should be an, an abundant enough supply so that anyone who, who desires a vaccine could get one. So it's a, it's a, <clears throat> a calculation there, you know, either six weeks. Well, or, and let's just be clear about what I, what I heard the president say is that he believes by May 1st, well, he would like it as a policy that by May 1st, we would no longer have tiers and qualifying things. Everybody over the age of 16 would be eligible to get in line to get a vaccine. That does not mean that we're going to have quantities enough to vaccinate everybody. It just means we would be shifting in our policy, and that is we wouldn't, you wouldn't have to be going to a website to see if you qualify, if you're over 16 or 18, depending on the vaccine. You would just go and get yourself an appointment and go get vaccinated. And that is what I heard him say we were going to say. Like, he wasn't saying that everybody could get vaccinated right then. And we wasn't saying that we would have vaccine enough for people. And just so we are clear that he, um, we've already seen the, the federal government recommend a change in policy that the state of Missouri did not follow. Mm. So the, the federal policy was stated by the president, add teachers to your priority list. And Missouri added clergy. Uh, and did not add teachers. So um, I'm trying really hard to not be political myself, but to clarify that there are politics going on. The other politics that seem to be going on is a prioritization of rural counties and rural communities over um, urban ones. And as a person who has advocated to have rural uh, communities have greater access to health care, um, there's a part of me that's like, well, okay, we ought, to, we ought to make sure that rural people can get their vaccines too. But they're doing things like sending 2,000 vaccines to a community that has, doesn't have 2,000 people who live in it. Um, and people from Kansas City and St. Louis are traveling outside for hours to get a vaccine when they qualify but could not find a local, um, a, you know, a, a closer place to get vaccinated. And there are some people who are concerned that it appears that communities that um, more overwhelmingly voted a, with, for a particular party are being favored over communities that voted for a different party. Um, and that pattern seems to be pretty clear. And um, 
Yeah, so their their politics are at play in this, and um, you know the I I am I am very sad that we have lost so much of our local press that that does not seem to be making this getting the same play as the the politics that the governor of New York seems to be playing with vaccine status. So it's I'm not saying that one party is doing it more than others. It's that in Missouri, it's one party that seems to be impacting things because they have more control. So um, so we've got politics at play, but we also just have numbers at play that we have. Um, now we have more people who qualify for the vaccine than we have uh, than we have capacity to move them through in a day. You know, it's going to take some time. Um, and again, if people want a vaccine, then there are there are people there are there are operators standing by on Facebook to help uh, people get a vaccine, and that will probably get to be really busy over the next week um, or two. So um, yeah. Uh, and I just want to say again, testing has, we've got a hitch in our giddy up about testing in central Missouri. And I will send um, updates when I have them that Jenny can cover on Wednesday. And we'll be covering that on on uh, next Monday. And then um, I also, then I wanted to go over the CDC guidelines because the CDC has new guidelines about what people can do if they're vaccinated. Um, and I think they're a little confusing and, um, it's hard. It is hard to be a 100% consistent and to be a purist. I've learned this in my life. So what we're saying is that people who have been fully vaccinated can do some things that we've been asking them not to do. Of course, people have been doing these things anyway. So this is not, this is the CDC giving recommendations. This is not laws. So fully vaccinated people, and these are people who received all of the vaccines in the series, so either one for the Johnson & Johnson or both for the Moderna or the Pfizer, and there's been two weeks since their last dose, they are now considered fully vaccinated. And they can visit with other fully vaccinated people indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing. So, yeah, so other, other people right, can come into your house. Visit with unvaccinated people from a single household who are at low risk for severe COVID-19 indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing. And they can refrain from quarantine and testing following a known exposure if asymptomatic unless they work in certain work or live in certain situations. And mainly we're talking about what are they calling them non non healthcare associated uh, congregate living situations. So prisons, um, 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 uh, and other correctional facilities, I think, I'm trying to remember what else is on those lists, but maybe things like um, homeless shelters, domestic violence centers, places where people live in close quarters, there's a fairly ha rapid turnover, and maybe people have limited access to health care. So when, uh, but we should, if we are fully vaccinated, the CDC is asking us um, to take precautions in public, like wearing a well-fitted mask and physical distancing. Uh, wear mass practice, physical distancing, and adhere to other prevention measures when visiting with unvaccinated people who are at increased risk for severe COVID-19. So um, I heard a statistic this morning. I think it was on, I can't remember. I think it might have been on Democracy Now! that people over the age of 65, two-thirds of them have been vaccinated. 
Well, that's great, but that means a third have not. So we should not presume that all the people who qualify for the vaccine have been vaccinated. Um, or people also practice, practice more care when you are interacting with an unvaccinated person who also has an unvaccinated health, household member who is at increased risk for severe COVID-19. So when vaccinated people get together, they should be thinking more about their risk of spreading it to someone, not them, not the vaccinated person, than they are necessarily to their own particular risk. Um, So if you've been vaccinated, according to the trials, there has been um, zero deaths from COVID in the vaccine arm of all three of these vaccine um, trials. So that means that our protection against serious illness and death is almost 100% from vaccination. And it appears that it reduces the ability of you to be an asymptomatic carrier and to spread it to other people, but it does not reduce that to zero. So we're still thinking about the fact that um, 80 to 90% of the population has not been vaccinated and a significant number of them have not had the disease and could get um, uh uh, infected. So um, we're supposed to wear masks, maintain, the CDC asked us to wear masks, maintain physical distance, and practice other prevention measures when visiting with unvaccinated people from multiple households, and to avoid medium and large size in-person gatherings, get tested if experienced symptoms, follow guidance issued by individual employers, and um, yeah, pay attention to CDC. So um, if a person is exposed and they're fully vaccinated after their two weeks, they do not necessarily have to quarantine, but they should pay attention to symptoms and they should still get tested if their workplace um, offers it, and they should still get tested if they develop symptoms. So there we, there we have it. That there are updates. Is there anything else we need to talk about? I feel a little um, like I've rung us all through the ringer here. Well, yes. I mean, uh, we repeat ourselves quite a lot on this program, but many, many things bear repeating, uh, particularly when it comes to the vaccine data that you were talking about. So many people are hesitant to get a shot because they read, oh, this vaccine is only 67% effective. As you've emphasized, as you've correctly emphasized for many weeks, um, it is more than likely close to 100% effective in preventing death, even if it's not 100% effective uh, in preventing uh, contraction of COVID. <clears throat> of course, it is not 100%, but close. <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing, nothing is 100%. A, that's right. Yeah. Well, Dr. Alleman, uh, of course, it was a, a wonderful, informative program. I want to thank you as always. And uh, as our listeners caught, uh, our two hosts of Community Pulse, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman and public health advocate Ginny Chadwick, are hard at work helping people get vaccinated. That is just amazing. All you do for the station and all you do for the, the citizens of the community as well. Shall we? Uh, shall we wrap things up with your with your customary? We should. I just want to be clear. Jenny's helping people get vaccinated. I'm going to help people keep continue to get testing because testing is going to be so important in these next couple of months. Yeah, so that's... wear your mask, wash your hands, <laughs> uh, follow CDC guidelines if you possibly can. Get the first vaccine that's offered to you, and uh, cultivate a, a cheerful confidence that your body can handle a vaccine infection. And we'll be back in your ears on Monday. Thank you so much, Dr. Alleman. It's always a pleasure. I wish you a very, very pleasant week, and I look forward to speaking uh, with you again next Monday. Yes, you too, Peter. 
Thanks so much for tuning in to Community Pulse. It's our pleasure to bring it here to you. You can catch this program immediately now live on our website. It is automatically archived if you happen to miss any of it. It's on our Facebook feed later in the day along with the links. If you're not on Facebook, I'd be happy to give you the laundry list very quickly here. We're talking about the GoColumbia.mo data point. We're also talking about the CDC.gov slash coronavirus vaccine or coronavirus uh, guidelines. Vaccinespotter.org is very useful. Covidvaccine.mo.gov is very useful. And that whole laundry list again will be on Facebook. The program will be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and it is available now on our website, kopn.org, kopn.org. Thank you so much, listeners. We want to thank you for a very successful pledge drive last week as well. Until we come back live Wednesday with Ginny Chadwick and Mallory uh, Daly, the message, as always, from your friends and neighbors at your community radio station is please stay safe and stay informed, Columbia. A pleasant day to everyone.